You're listening to the Knowing Motherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Linnell Peters, and it's an honor to walk alongside you in motherhood, whether the journey is just beginning or you're right in the thick of it. I believe that your worth as a mother is not based on your performance and that your greatest strength is the love that you have for your children, whether they're in your arms or only in your heart. My prayer is that this little corner of the podcast world will leave you feeling more equipped, more hopeful, and less alone than when you arrived. Well, it is great to be back with you here at Knowing Motherhood. I have taken another long six-month break from recording, but I'm so excited to be ramping things up again for the month of November as we release a bunch of new episodes for you to end off the year. One of the things that I love about being an independent podcast producer, if you will, is the freedom to take the the time away as needed. Um, And even though I do wish that I could provide more content during this stage of life for you, um, you know I've shared it before. I'm a firm believer in seasons and stewarding well our callings, especially in motherhood. And speaking of motherhood, I'm excited to have recently had the opportunity to talk with Emily Jensen of the Risen Motherhood podcast. Emily is a mother of five. She's an author, speaker, and as mentioned, the co-founder and co-host of Risen Motherhood. I, like many others, have been blessed by the down-to-earth, biblically sound way that Emily shares about life and all things motherhood related. And today we are talking together about what it looks like to acknowledge our weaknesses and embrace God's strength that is offered freely and generously to us. If you are in a tender or exhausted place in your motherhood journey currently, this episode is definitely for you, Mama. And if you're feeling pretty on top of things in life, well, be assured that there's always more truth to be embraced for a time when you are feeling weak. Emily shares so beautifully about seasons of weariness and seeking after God's faithful presence in the midst of it all. I know that wherever you find yourself today, that you'll find nuggets of wisdom and great encouragement in this conversation with Emily. Emily, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a joy. Yeah, you've got lots going on. We were just chatting about it. You are, you've got a new book. Has it been released or is it coming up soon? Yes, it was just released on October 10th. So it's, that release day is behind me, but it's hard to keep straight in my own mind. I bet, because there's so much leading up to it. I mean, what was the timeline like for you? Yeah, so I would have started my first ideas for this book probably about two and a half years ago. Um, and so the manuscript writing process takes about a year. Um, and then the editing, designing, printing process takes another year. So it's definitely something that I've been working on for a very long time by the mm. time um, others get to experience it. Wow. And this isn't your first experience with writing a book. You did this with your sister-in-law, Laura. Yes. A yeah. few years back and you guys wrote, um, what was that? That was Risen Motherhood. Risen Motherhood. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did that. And then um, we ended up releasing a deluxe version where we added um, two or three more chapters. I think it was three more chapters um, a few years later because we just felt like the message was still resonating with moms. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, so we're really grateful for that project and, and how much it's just helped moms connect the gospel to their their lives. You know, I've heard, I've had multiple friends in my own life who, when I've mentioned that book, have said, oh, it's one of my favorites to gift mm-hmm. to new moms. I, isn't that, that must be so cool to hear. <laughs> It is so awesome. I mean, I think when you are a new mom, you're just desperate for help and direction and Mm. you're so tired and you want to do a good job and it just kind of feels like, what's the roadmap and what does it look like to do this faithfully? And I also have all these practical questions. And so, I mean, Laura and I's hearts from the beginning have been for that mom, especially, right? That's in Mm. that very vulnerable 
new motherhood season. And so it just makes my heart so happy that this book connects so well to new moms. And then mothers who are more seasoned as well, I think can still get a ton out of it. But I I always love hearing that it's gifted from one new mom to another. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think before, like, we can just keep chatting about the book, but I, um, your new one. Um, but before that, for those who aren't familiar with who you are, can you just share a little bit about yourself? And um, this is how we always open up all the, you know, interviews. Just tell us a little bit about your family and what are some current blessings in your life and all that. Sure. Um, So uh, as you mentioned, I'm Emily Jensen, and I've been married to my husband, Brad, for 14 years. We have five kids um, ranging in age from six to 11. And so they are all school age now. But we had five kids in five years um, with a set of twins in there. So that... Oh, that was a very intense (laughs) season of motherhood. And I'm really now just starting to understand how intense that actually was. Like Mm. the further that we get out of babies and toddlers, the more I'm like, wow, how did we survive that? Um, But it's, it's really fun. I still find that, you know, my days are full of taking care of all the logistics for home and family. I mean, with growing kids, food is a constant topic and need, you know, Mm. we're always trying to like, not run out of toilet paper or remember a doctor's (laughs) appointment, a doctor's appointment or, um, you know, make sure everyone has what they need in their backpack for the next day. So there is so, so much still with family. But um, I also do ministry as well. And so I am the co-founder of Risen Motherhood, which is what we were just talking about. It's not just a book. It's also um, a podcast and there are articles and um, we've just got lots of free resources for moms um, there. And I've been doing that with my sister-in-law since 2016, and then it's been fun, too, because as my kids have gotten a little bit older, I've been able to pursue some writing projects on my own, and writing is really kind of one of my first creative loves, and uh, getting to share encouragement with women is is so um, life-giving to me, and so I love that I've gotten to venture out and, and do a book on my own as well, so Lots, lots of blessings um, in daily life right now. Probably one of the the fun things that I'm enjoying in this season is getting to spend more time with my husband during the day. He and I um, own some small businesses here in town. And so it's just given us a lot of flexibility. He has a lot of flexibility in his schedule and our um, offices, like my Risen Motherhood office and his office are right next door to each other. So we get to have lunch together and go for walks and stuff. And it's just a totally different season of parenting uh, where when we get home, we are all hands on deck. So we've, we've kind of pushed a lot of our like dating life into the weekdays, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds so nice. My husband and I both, um, we work from home. To, like we're oh, both. Yeah. At, so and all, this year is the first year that all of our kiddos are in full time school yeah. at our local Christian school here. And so it is, um, it is a new season. And it's but it's weird because we I like the idea of what you're talking about of how you have your offices really close together. And so you can see your still getting a little bit of space, but you still get to spend time together <laughs> in a way that feels like a date. And we, my husband and I, are currently trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like how to actually be apart more. <laughs> because yes, he's literally like a stone throw away. His office is right across from me, right? So yes. it's really weird. But finding and navigating these seasons um, in the best way that you can is huge. Um would you say that it's a sweeter season um, being able to just prioritize in a different way like that? I mean, you just said yeah. that it is, but it, what are some of the ways that you guys connect? Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, overall, it really is. I think that in those little years when there's babies and toddlers and just the needs are so intense even just kind of training and discipline and raising the kids up is so all hands on deck all the time and 
we definitely, you know, were able to connect in those years. And, you know, we loved each other and the Lord sustained our marriage. And I feel like we were really on the same page in those years. I also think it can be hard to connect as friends or connect um, on issues like outside of parenting, Mm -hmm. because all the parenting things are so big and right in front of you. And so what has been really cool as our kids have gotten to be school age and we have our schedule looks a little bit different now I would say like there are still just as many needs and that quality time piece with our kids is still there and there are still things that make us tired but having our time shifted a little bit differently has allowed us to connect um, on things kind of like outside of parenting and Mm. to talk about business with each other and other hobbies and interests that we have and to collaborate in different ways and in new ways and I think it's just kind of been refreshing for our relationship even as we look to you know kind of those empty nesting years which now like aren't as far off as it once felt like they were you know Mm, when when your kids are so little it feels like it's impossible that they're ever going to all move out and (laughs) the other day my husband said something to me like oh you know in eight years um three of our kids are going to be in college and I just felt like wow I can actually picture eight years now and that doesn't feel like that Mm. long um so I think there's we're now starting to consider like what is our relationship going to be after kids and how do we start depositing towards that now? Oh, that's so good. And I think it's so encouraging for mothers listening who are in the, the I hate saying trenches, but they're in the yeah. really, you know, the 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 deep waters and um, of, of motherhood with little ones. That's encouraging for them to hear. I know that would have been encouraging for me to hear, right? Um, that that things can shift and change and become sweet in other ways and in better ways. And, and, um, I love it. And there's, it's a new phase. So how old is your youngest? Six. So she's in first grade. Okay. That's the same with us. Yeah. Yeah. Our youngest is six as well. And it's, it's just very different things. Just suddenly kind of, do you feel like you've grieved a little bit, the loss of those really early years, or are you really at peace with where things are now? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because, it'll sometimes hit me in a moment when I'm not expecting. Like Mm. the other day, my kids had off school, you know, it was like an an in-service day. And so I found that we were going about some of the activities that we used to do when I was, you know, full-time stay-at-home mom and my kids were home all day, every day. You know, we would fill the day with little errands and playing at home. And then, you know, let's go drive around for a little while. (laughs) And... I found that we were kind of going into this rhythm and I went to go put like a podcast on so that we could all listen to something while we were driving. And, you know, what I was choosing for them to listen to, I realized was kind of like a little bit uh, too immature for where they were at now. And, you know, my daughter was still really into it, but I could tell like, oh, we are in a different stage now. You know, like they are still willing to listen to audiobooks and stuff like that. But, you know, my my instinct to like go to some fun calming toddler music or something was not gonna work, you know, for (laughs) a car uh full of boys that are, you know, kind of that preteen age. And so I think in that moment I felt kind of like, oh wow, I feel a little sad that we are beyond some of those things. But, you know, there are so many good things too. And there are so many rewarding aspects to having slightly older children that, you know, on the whole, I would honestly say like, I don't necessarily miss those years. Like, I don't want to go back and relive (laughs) chasing toddlers. Like, that's a hard season. Um, But I I do, there are things about it that I'm like, oh, that was really sweet. Um, And yeah, it's kind of a mixed, I don't know, bittersweet feeling. Oh, 100%. I'm so with you. I feel it. Um, We have um, our pastors. They have a. uh, They had four kiddos in two years. Oh wow! They had twins twice in a row. (laughs) If you've had twins once, you know, right? Yeah. Wow. And and so they have four under, like three and under, Mm. and. 
Um, they're one of their three-year-olds. He just, he and I just have this sweet little relationship. And ev- almost every Sunday after church, you can be sure he will run over and find me wherever I'm sitting and just jump into my arms. And I said to his mom yesterday after church, I'm like, he fills my cup in the in a way that my other kids can't. It, yeah. it feels sounds weird, but it's like there is something so sweet about those little itty bitty arms at two, oh. three years old that is so precious and special. And I just said, God, I think the Lord just knows how my heart will always probably ache. Do you? Does that resonate with you? Like oh, you, yeah. there's always an aching for those little itty bitty yeah. years, even though you can have such peace with the stage that you're at now yeah. with your children. I miss um, like seeing their little baby toddler bare feet. Mm, like yeah. that, <laughs> their feet are just the cutest thing. Mm. They are the cutest thing. And I think the other thing that I miss is the physical touch and the snuggling and the kisses. And, you know, it's funny because at that time, I probably would have been like, the physical touch is overwhelming. (laughs) And I am tired of people pulling on me and wanting to sit in my lap and always coming up to me and needing snuggles for comfort and all of that. But um, I look back now and just feel Mm -hmm. like I have such sweet memories of, you know, the snuggles and the kisses and all of those different things that still, you know, occur with older children, but it's not in the frequency as it was when they were little. And then, you know, your kids get a little older and they come in for a hug and you're like, when is the last time you showered? Because (laughs) (laughs) we need to do some laundry and you need to go shampoo your hair. And so like- thanks for the hug. (laughs) Yes, like thanks for the hug. But it's, you know, it is different. It is different. different. And, you know, now I just find myself looking ahead to grandkids if the Lord wills and- I know I will treasure every single one of their hugs and kisses. Oh, I feel like you're speaking my heart because I never thought that I would feel that way this early on. But I also think about grandkids and it's like, yeah. what? It just feels, <laughs> my, my Our oldest is 14 and I just think like four years from now, like, you know, you just, you really start to see it. Like you were mentioning earlier, my just quickly funny story, my, my youngest who's, um, yeah, six as well, he... He said to me recently, I was trying to give him all the snuggles and the kisses, probably about like a month or two ago. He's like, mom, stop. No kisses until winter. Oh. And I was like, until winter? That's a long time away. And I giggled because it was so cute. And ever since then, he keeps reminding me every time I try to give him a a kiss on his cheek, he's like, mom, not till winter. And then this morning it snowed. And I'm like, buddy, it snowed. I know. And we just have to grab onto these things. Oh, boy. I just love this so much. You know, it was funny when I started, um, I launched Knowing Motherhood and we did in in 2019. So you said you guys started Risen Motherhood in 2016. And I think it was 2018 that I started listening to Risen Motherhood. It was actually one of the very first podcasts that I listened to. And I just loved what you and Laura brought to the table. And I would say that um, mixed with Journey Women, which is Hunter Velas's podcast that had such an impact on me. Um, When I went through a really trying season in 2018, the Lord used, I believe, your girls, your podcast and Journey Women and a couple other ones that really propelled me towards starting my own podcast and for mothers who are walking through really, really hard things. Mm. Um, and and I remember choosing the name and thinking, oh, Knowing Motherhood sounds like Resident Motherhood. And it was only because I had listened <laughs> to your podcast, but it never really came from that. I went through a million names and that's what I landed on. But um, say in saying all of that, um, I just really believe that sometimes in motherhood, um, podcasts can be just the greatest blessing when we need something to listen to to fuel our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, because motherhood, as beautiful as it is, can also be so very hard and very draining, and we can feel so weak. And so I think 
you, you know, this new book that you have are, are sending out now into the world, he is strong. Um, it's coming from a place of, of recognizing your weakness and, um, and the strength that only God can provide to us as mothers. Can you talk a little bit more about um, your own motherhood journey and what led you to write this devotional? Sure. Um, and thank you for your your kind words about Risen Motherhood. I, I agree that podcasts can be such an encouragement. Um, and my own motherhood journey, so yeah, I mentioned we have five kids and our fourth child actually has a rare genetic syndrome and he has some pretty significant disabilities. So he is nonverbal. He did not walk independently until he was seven years old and, you know, has some intellectual disabilities. And so we've just been through a lot. And not only did we have a lot of young children in a short period of time, but there was also just walking through that diagnosis and having a child whose needs are really significant and having that limit me in ways that I couldn't have imagined in motherhood. Um, And then in 2021, um, he actually had his first seizure and epilepsy became a part of his story as well. And that really, for me, felt like you know, kind of the moment they say like the straw that broke the camel's back, the thing that really ripped the rug out from underneath my feet. I mean, there was a lot of things leading up to that, that made me feel weak in motherhood. But there was just something about encountering something that felt like a medical emergency, something where I really feel like this child's life, you know, hangs in the balance sometimes. And watching something that was so scary, that just shook me in a way that I could not stand on my own two feet or my own strength or my own wisdom anymore. (laughs) And I was just having to grapple so much with the areas of motherhood where I was not going to be enough. And there had to be hope for that. There had to be a way for me to walk through that. And so really my processing of that event, that first seizure, and then just kind of subsequent um, situations that happened as a result of that is what started me down this path to thinking about this topic. And what I found was I had not only, you know, felt weak as a result of some of those more recent circumstances, but that this sense of weakness was something that I had walked with throughout my whole life in Mm. many different stages and in many different ways. And I had never really been quite sure about what to do with that. You know, is it okay that I feel weak? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Um, What am I supposed to do with this? And Mm. so it was just such a process for me of going to the word with all of these different feelings that I was having. In fact, in the book, Mm. I go through 30 different common experiences of weakness and taking every single one of them to the word, laying them before God, and then just going, okay, Lord, like, what about this? What do we do when this happens? What about this aspect? And just really seeing the Lord um, have answers to that was so encouraging for me. And, and I hope that it's it's a help for others who are in some of those same circumstances. Yeah, it sounds like um, a book that is just going is going to be gifted a lot because I think that some for some women um, when you're feeling weak picking up a book mm-hmm. even feels overwhelming but when it's a devotional yeah and you can actually just take little bits at a time that are very you know intentionally written um, I, I love I just love it and I've, I've had a chance to take a little peek at the digital copy that was sent and it just is beautifully written beautifully mm-hmm. written. And um, yeah, I'm so excited to to continue reading it. What so you you know you you're talking about this journey of having your fourth child deal with unexpected health issues, and I'm sure so many listeners can relate to this and the way that it just kind of threw you to your knees. Um, 
Can you talk a little bit more depthly about when you recognized some of these shortcomings um, and your need to rely on God's strength? How did how did that make a difference in the way in, in your outlook and the way that you approached um, up some of the upcoming things that were difficult, the things in the future, or even just your attitude towards future uh, challenges? How has that affected you positively? Yeah, well, I think that it's so encouraging to me to know that God never needed me to um, be strong in my own strength or have something impressive or sufficient within myself um, in order to work in and through my life and in order for my life to have value and purpose in him. And I think sometimes it's not until you come up on a weak moment where you see your lack so clearly that you have to really grapple with that and go, well, where does my worth come from? Is is God relying on me to be impressive and to have something to give, to have something to bring to the table? Um, yeah. And then to realize the gospel is, you know, kind of like the song that says, nothing in my hands I bring, right? Only to the cross I cling. Mm-hmm. And that it's, it's really... Um, Anything that we do with the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I think I got nine there. Yeah. Uh, You know, anything that we're doing in a way that reflects Christ is, is God at work in and through us by his spirit. It's it's a gift. It's a miracle. It's uh, something that doesn't come from us and that, you know, God works in and through all kinds of people in scripture that are weak by the world's standards that were perhaps the unexpected choice or um, people that did not have anything impressive uh, to bring to the table. And, And what happened was as a result of that, as God worked in and through them, uh, God gets the glory for that. And as people look on what he did in and through that person, they go, oh, that couldn't have been them, right? That had Mm -hmm. to be God at work. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just been a real comfort to me as I've walked forward, especially in light of our family's situation and our son's medical needs, just to know that, you know, I was never going to have enough in and of myself to be able to deal with this or to be the perfect mom to each and every one of my kids. And I was never going to have like all the wisdom that I possibly needed. Um, And like God knew that and he called me to this anyway because Mm, he wasn't relying on me um, to be able to show up in that. It It was his strength that was going to come in and through. And so it's really... These, these moments of suffering, these moments of hardship that God uses to strengthen us, to strengthen yes. our character, to build endurance, to build our hope, to build our faith. And, you know, that, that's where he says things like, you know, put on the armor of God and mm-hmm. come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. He wants us to come to him because he supplies all of our needs. And so for me, this has been a big lesson in depending on God and believing that he supplies all of my needs. He always has and and he always will. Oh, you're making me think about how important humility in motherhood is and how hard it is for some of us, referring to myself. And I think about the ways that God I mean, how does he build strength into us? It's through our recognizing that we are reliant on him. Um, It is us seeing our need for him and recognizing that we are incapable of doing all the things that we, I think, sometimes often hope we can do, right? I I don't know. I mean, I, I can only speak for myself, but I think for a very large part of my years of mothering, I wanted the glory. I wanted other people to see how well I could mother, 
how well I could manage all the things. And it wasn't until a critical life event five years ago that I was so brought to my knees that there was only one that could carry me through what I was battling. And I see, and I, I praise God. Like I would never go back and go through the postpartum mental illness that I went through. But I am so grateful for what God has done in me because of it. Um, and my goodness, those, those uh, <laughs> um, what do we call them, those default settings in our, our, our minds and in our hearts, are they run thick, right, and very strong. Yeah. And it takes work to undo the way that we think. But I think <clears throat> one of the beautiful things that I've seen in my own weakness is the way that God has truly taught me dependence upon him and, and has humbled me in the ways that I needed to be humbled, where I now have a desire and a heart to see God glorified through me um, and not, you know, just seek after the affirmations of others. And, um, you know, maybe not every woman uh, deals with it at the level that I did um, in that way. Um but I, I just, I love the Lord for his kindness in his allowing of suffering. Yeah. You know, I, I think you could, you sound like you can relate to that. And I, I think that um, there is a maturity that happens in us when we are p- brought to our knees in that way. And praise God for that. Otherwise, we would just continue on as we are um, striving, striving to be all the things um, that we we actually just can't be. Um, how does recognizing our shortcomings? Um, you know, what what is the acknowledging of our weaknesses um, really look like um, in in motherhood? I mean, this isn't an easy thing. Um, but what's what are some um, maybe ways to encourage mothers that you could offer to help them to be willing to let go of that need to have control and to manage all the things? Yeah, I mean, I think one word that comes to mind as we're having this conversation is just the word facade. And, Mm. you know, I, I don't have a dictionary in front of me. But when I imagine a facade, I think of Um, a wall that is perhaps, you know, old, maybe it's, it's made of bricks, maybe it's got some structural uh, damage in it, because it's old, and it's been existing for a long time. And it's, it's not anything super special. But then there is a facade sometimes put in front of it, right? Like it's covered over with, um, you know, some beautiful stucco design, or some other stone that makes it look like it's so nice and it's it's perfect and it it matches all the other buildings but if you were to remove that facade you would see the wall as it really is you know it it Mm. is it is what it is all the time it's just whether or not you can see it and you are aware of it and you know thinking about something like a storm coming through right and like damaging the facade and and ripping it away to where you see what's actually standing there and i think that so often that's what um hardship and suffering and struggle does in our lives like it Mm -hmm. it chips away and it removes and it tears down the things that we build up to kind of cover our weakness and make it seem like things aren't as hard or as bleak as they really are. And sometimes we're not even really aware that there is a facade in our lives until God um, shakes some things that uh, we may be clinging to. And then we go, ooh, that actually didn't have as much security or staying power as I thought it did, right? Like sometimes that can be a lifestyle or a parenting method where we feel like as long as I'm doing this thing, then I'm a good mom. But maybe he brings circumstances into your life that make it so you can't do that parenting method perfectly anymore. And then you realize like, wait, am I still good? Even if I can't parent exactly that way anymore. Um, And we have to start to grapple with that, right? And I, I think that that is part of how we see our weaknesses. It's a lot of times the things that 
run through our minds at night when we're we're laying in bed and, and everyone has gone to sleep and we're maybe having a hard time falling asleep because we're looping through the areas where we are falling short. Um, yeah. Whether that's uh, feeling dis- disappointed because we had a meal planned for the week and we had to abandon it midweek and just put in frozen chicken nuggets and we wish we wouldn't have had to do that or right. um, you know, there's a child that has uh, a, a character issue that we're trying to work on and we realize that we've been um, avoiding it or, you know, we've not put in the amount of effort probably required. And, and you know, it, there's just so many things that we can run through in our minds and go, wow, I cannot keep the ball in the air in every single one of these areas at the same time. Um, yeah. I'm not capable of doing that. There are real limits to my ability. And there can be a real fear in that. There can be a real despair. Um, And that is where I think it's so important as we see our weaknesses that we have um, strategies with what to do with that. Because I have found that there's usually like a couple of temptations or like ditches that we tend to fall into when we start to see our weaknesses. And one of those ditches, I think, is that we can get stuck in a pity party or a sense of woe is me or um, I'm only this way because my life is so hard. My circumstances are so hard. Um, and, and it can even be, you know, maybe at its worst, a little bit of like a victim mentality of, you know, I'm stuck this way and there's nothing that I can do. Um, it's everyone else's fault. And um, there's really no hope or moving forward in it, right? Like sometimes, yeah, right. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that that ditch is lacking faith in God's ability to work in and through us, regardless of what we bring to the table, because it's all his spirit anyways. And mm-hmm. um, it's yeah. him that's going to do the impossible thing in and through us. Um, right. And on the flip side to that, we might be tempted to want to like stuff down our weaknesses and ignore them and avoid them and pretend like they're not there because they feel so scary to us to face. And maybe we've even been so critical of others, so critical of others' weaknesses. Maybe we've thought, you know, those other moms just need to try harder they need to research more. They yes, are yes. not being holy enough. They are not sacrificing like I am. And so then after we've been that critical to like turn around and admit that in ourselves feels like, you know, really jarring to our identity and our sense of, of uh, like self-worth. And, and so yes. we maybe want to ignore that. Um, And in that case, you know, we are not resting in our true identity in Christ. We're not acknowledging that we are are incredibly limited in relation to a holy, unlimited God. And we do need to humble ourselves before him and accept who we are and that we are going to need his help Um, and and that that's a good thing, you know. So I think that... We have to be a little bit self-aware in this process as well to know where we might tend to land and like what truth we would need to speak to ourselves. That's so good. That is, I'm going to have to go back and listen to to all of that again. That's, it's just such beautiful truth for um, every woman's heart. You know, the, the, in the opening for um, our podcast, it says, I believe your worth is a mother worth as a mother is not based on your performance. Um, and for me, that, that stemmed largely from my acknowledging that a lot of my motherhood was performance-based. Yeah. And I think that, and it, it was recognizing that my criticizing of myself, my critical or my high expectations for myself as a mother led to me being judgmental and critical towards other mothers, just mm. as you were mentioning. Yeah. I was in that ditch. And when I started, when the Lord started revealing and opening my eyes to to that, 
um, facade, you know, that kind of covering up, um, you know, what a feeling of relief when we can start to just be real before the Lord and be real before other moms, you know. And I would say that's still a struggle for myself to acknowledge when I feel like I'm struggling. But it's something that is a daily journey of learning how to be more honest about things. You know, I'm just not feeling like I'm doing a great job in this area. And then also learning how to be real before the Lord and saying, God, I just... I'm trying to do all the things. You know, I love how you mentioned the practical, you know, getting the things in the backpacks and the meal planning and the, oh, I didn't get this meal made this week and that meat had to get thrown out. That one always gets me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's the worst. <laughs> that one always gets me. And, and, and I think one of the beautiful things with being honest and being real and acknowledging weakness is coming to the Lord and saying, I feel like a little bit of a failure this week and I really need you to show me your power because I know you're the one that's carrying me and you're the one that I have to find my strength in and he is so faithful and so good to just meet us there in those moments of humility where we recognize our great need for him especially for someone like myself that runs on so much independence and so much self-reliance you know I'm so grateful for his patience with me as a mother and I'm so grateful for the way that he loves mothers, the way that he is compassionate towards us in our roles. Um, I think that um, we're seeing this new generation um, of women, of young women right now, kind of in the stage below us in their 20s and 30s, and they're being fed so many lies about motherhood to the point that we're seeing girls like women not wanting to get married. And not wanting to have children because maybe they're afraid. And, you know, can you talk to and speak to that a little bit? What are some of these lies in current culture that are keeping young women um, afraid and even opposed to the gift of motherhood? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> it's always so fascinating to look at culture and how it, you know, swings from one lie to the other. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, probably... I don't know, like 50, 60, 70 years ago, maybe the lie was that motherhood will give you your ultimate fulfillment and purpose. Mm. And um, mothers were maybe getting married and having children and then realizing that that was not enough to fulfill and that there was still a gap in their hearts and in their identity because we weren't meant to, to find our whole purpose to be wrapped up in in motherhood right. and and so now we're seeing this exact opposite message right which is that there's no fulfillment and no purpose to be had in motherhood and ultimate fulfillment is found in self-fulfillment mm -hmm. um, the actualization of your own goals and desires and like living a life that is completely centered around you and your wants and your needs and your desires all the time. And I think, even though I don't know if anyone's made this explicit connection yet, the depression and anxiety rates among young people, um, women included, would show that that's not working either. Um, that even though women are, you know, the most independent and have the most um, rights and opportunity that, you know, we've ever had, they're still not deep levels of, of satisfaction um, in life. And there's still a tremendous amount of anxiety and, and sadness and, and unfulfillment there. And of course, in both of those, right, it's because we were, we were made for the Lord. We were made to worship him and to follow him and, and what he asks for is that we would lay down our lives, right? There is a sacrifice involved in following God. We say, my life is no longer mine, it's yours. And I am now a, a servant 
I am responding to a master. I'm I'm following a king. Uh, those types of images are completely hated and disregarded in our co- current culture. The idea that we would serve a uh, serve someone else uh, mm-hmm. is yeah. a very politically incorrect. Um, and so, I think that if we don't even have that paradigm as a Christian, it's really hard to get behind that paradigm as a mother, right? And to begin to understand why why motherhood would have value, which includes sacrifice and includes laying down your life for someone else to live. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's what's so, so sad about it all is how I think our culture just has lost or maybe never had the true picture of why motherhood is so beautiful. And it's because it gives us a small picture, a shadowy picture of of the gospel. And it's, you know, not a perfect one-to-one analogy, but I think as we lay down aspects of our lives and even our very bodies, you know, that we would nurture and feed and uh, disciple our children up into the Lord, you know, we get to show a picture of what Christ is like. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and he, he laid out his life all the way to the grave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's totally upside down, right? Like in, in the culture, why would you give up anything for someone who is weak and helpless and can give you nothing in return. Like there is no worldly explanation for why that would be worth it. But God's word says that that's worth it because that's, that's how he has treated us. And, and so I, I just think, you know, outside of a biblical paradigm, yeah, there, there is no, (laughs) there is no, uh, earthly or, or flesh answer for, you know, why this is so valuable. Yeah. I agree. Such a great answer. Thank you for that. Well, we both share a love for motherhood. We both share, um, you know, seeing and acknowledging that it is sanctifying. I love um, Ruth Jo Simon's uh, hashtag that she started. uh, Well, she has it for marriage too, but motherhood is sanctifying. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. And I used to use that on posts. I I don't do a ton on Instagram anymore that way, but I used to use it because I love it. I just, it's so true. And I think, what is my goal? What is my ultimate goal? Like, do I want to just stay the same person my whole life? Do I just want to, you know, exist as I am or do I want to let the Lord do that beautiful sanctifying work that he has promised to do in my life? And if I believe that he is doing that work, then I can see it in all areas of my life. I can see it in motherhood. I can see how he's changing me and growing me even through the hardest circumstances and in the most beautiful. You know, he's doing it in my marriage. He's doing it in friendships and in uh, servitude and whatever that looks like. He is faithful to do the work he's promised to do in us no matter what what we're doing what we're doing in our lives as long as our hearts are open and allowing him to do that work he's not a god that you know forces himself upon us which to me is one of the greatest and most beautiful parts of his character um his love is is endless and his compassion for us is endless how have you experienced um, God's faithfulness and his compassion towards you in your years of motherhood. Mm. You know, one of the, the things about God's character that I love so much is just his presence and the, the promise that he's with us no matter what. Because I think one of the things that we experience in our weakness is Sometimes, you know, we come to the Lord, we pray, we ask him for things, we're, we're maybe looking expectantly for him to provide, but perhaps we don't initially, like our feelings don't change, right? Maybe we're still in the exact same situation we were before. It, it doesn't seem like anything is materially different, and yet by faith, 
we believe that he is somehow, (laughs) whether or not we can see it or comprehend it or understand it, he is working in and through that situation for our good and for his glory. And, you know, sometimes there are, are situations where in motherhood, I have felt like I don't know what to do. I'm not sufficient for the task at hand. Um, I'm not even sure I'm doing an amazing job, but I know that God is with me in whatever I'm facing. If I'm sitting in a hospital room, like I know God is with me there. Mm -hmm. He has promised not to leave me Mm -hmm. alone. Um, If I am walking through a tough situation where, you know, I need to um, provide some type of of training or discipline and I just feel like (laughs) I'm not sure what the solution is. Like God is with me in that. Like his presence is there. And there have been times where God does do things and answer prayers like so personally, so kindly that it reminds me tangibly, almost in a scary way, (laughs) where it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, uh, uh, Emily, Mm -hmm. I see you, Mm -hmm. and I'm with you, and I know all your needs before you have them. Um, I know that uh, one of those, those needs we have recently, and I've got, you know, tons of stories like this, so I won't go on and on, but, um, you know, our, our son with disabilities, even something as simple as finding childcare can be just a real challenge because he has a lot of needs and it's very specialized work. And then as the moment I say, oh, and he might have a seizure while you're taking care of him and you've got to be willing to take on that. And, um, you know, thankfully, a lot of his seizures are under control with medication, but there's there's risk and different things. And, right. yeah. you know, it's just it's really hard to find someone. And then I have a lot of fears as a mom of, you know, well, he, he's nonverbal and he can't tell me if he would be with someone who wasn't treating him well. And, you know, I just spiral in all of these different things. And sure. Yeah. So I will start, I feel so weak in all of this and I need so much help and I will start praying, you know, four or five, six months in advance for childcare, especially as like summer is coming, uh, just that I would have, have an extra hand. And I remember this last year, just coming really close to that point where I felt like I wasn't going to find anyone. And I had worked through four or five different gals who were all just sweet and love the Lord and, you know, all of those different things, but they were not going to be a fit for some reason or another. (laughs) I just remember thinking like, Lord, what are you doing? And this is, this is not okay. I'm, I need help this summer. I'm going to need mm-hmm. someone with me. And and just having this real sense that I, I, I needed to keep looking to the Lord in faith, that like he knew what we needed and he was aware of it and he was with me in it. And yes. uh, sure enough, I, I eventually got another name of a gal to contact. And, you know, we were in the interview process and about halfway through, she stopped me and she said, nope, my, you know, my brother has epilepsy. And so I'm actually really comfortable with this. Um, and I, I kept everything from like crying right there on the phone call. Um, and she, uh, came to work for us this summer and still does some childcare help with us. And she has just been the perfect fit for our family and loves him so well. And, um, she actually ended up, uh, taking some time off school and then going to work at his school this fall so that she could spend some more time with him. And it's just like, God knew what I needed long before, you know, he was putting all these things in motion. I was getting discouraged thinking that he wasn't seeing me or our needs were not going to be met, but he, he had it in motion, you know? And, and I think situations don't always end like that. Um, but I have enough of these stories that happen from time to time that are just so specific and so personal that you just know, okay, if God can can do that, then in all of these moments where he hasn't done that, there has to be a pretty good reason for it because yes, I know yes. that he is capable of providing for us that yes. 
that thoroughly and that specifically. And so if it is for our good, he will give it. And so I don't know, there, there's just been so many things in that that give me comfort. I love the phrase, he is working in the waiting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so good and so true. And um, we just have to remind ourselves of those truths, right? That's the preaching to yourself stuff. It's like, <laughs> he is faithful. He is working in the waiting. And I may think that he needs to provide this right now, but he has a good reason when he doesn't. Yeah. And he is trustworthy. And um, it's beautiful. How have we been talking for 52 minutes already? (laughs) (laughs) I would definitely love to keep going, but we are almost at the end of our time together here. Um, I want to ask you a fun little question. Sure. Um, Before we go, I ask a lot of guests this. If you had four hours all to yourself... And someone had already cleaned your whole house for you. How would you spend that time? <laughs> That's a good caveat. Yep. Um, <laughs> honestly, I would go for at least an hour-long walk. Um, I love walking outside. There's a trail near our house that I enjoy being at anytime I can. So I would do that. And then I would probably go to a coffee shop and do some free writing. Um, I still love writing, and a lot of times my writing is for a project, and so it would be super fun to just be able to go work on something that didn't necessarily have, like, a deadline or anything that I I had to do. Um, or if I was in a city, I might I might go shopping. But I don't. I live in a really small town, and there's not a lot of shopping here, so that's yeah, not much so. of an option. <laughs> oh, I I will. I have to say, I absolutely love your writing, and one of my favorite things. I do not subscribe to newsletters, mm. but I subscribed to when some I got something from you, like probably I, I can't remember where when that was, but it was maybe a year ago or two, maybe a couple of years yeah. ago, and I subscribed. <laughs> <laughs> and I really don't do that very often. And I, you don't send out um, you don't send out a newsletter very often. But when you do, I take the time to read it, and I love it. Oh, and it well, always speaks you. to me. Like I, oh, it always resonates with me. Um, I think your last one was about. Was it about pants size? Oh, yes. <laughs> and oh. I was like right there. It was like just oh. correlating with like some weight gain that I've been dealing with. And I was like, oh, she gets it. She gets oh. it. And and gardening and all the things. It's just a beautiful thing to read. You're writing. And so thank you for that. Oh, well, thanks for reading. It's It's truly one of the most fun things I put together every month. And I love that it resonates with people. So let let my people know where they can connect with you and where um, where they can get a copy of your book. Sure. Um, you should be able to get a copy of He is Strong kind of wherever books are sold online. Of course, Amazon, ChristianBook.com, um, all the places. <laughs> and then awesome. you can um, find me at EmilyAJensen.com. That's a great way to get subscribed to my newsletter if you want that. Or you can follow me at Emily A. Jensen on Instagram. Sounds awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Emily. It's been great to chat. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a joy to be here. I would love to read you a small bit of truth from um, Emily's new devotional, um, He is Strong. It's day from day f- or the fifth devotion um, of 30. Does something in your life today feel like a storm? Maybe shame from past sin rattles these shutters of your soul and threatens to rip you apart. Maybe the waters of grief from an ailing parent are rising and starting to pull you under. Maybe gossip, slander, or doubt pelt you like bullets of rain and you're not sure how to keep going. But even as the winds of hurt howl, remember the security you're standing on. If you have built your life on Christ, you are loved and forgiven, embraced and comforted, known and justified, eternally hopeful, forever secure. You're safe in the ark of Christ, able to feel the rain, but safe from its destruction. I love those words. So beautiful. Friends, thank you so much for sharing in this conversation today. I pray that you know the great peace that only God can provide, no matter what the cares of today look like for you. 
Please make sure to follow or subscribe to Knowing Motherhood if you haven't already, so you get a notification when our next episode releases. And as always, I ask if this um, episode meant something to you, um, if you enjoyed it, if you've enjoyed past episodes, please leave us a review. You know, and if you listen to other podcasts, you've heard it said before that this is one of the main ways that we reach new listeners. And so it's a blessing whenever someone leaves a new review. Um, Thanks so much for listening. And I cannot wait to be back here again with you soon.